Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This episode of the Warriors Huddle is brought to you by the Athletic Club Oakland, a local sports bar we fucking love. If you listen to this podcast, you enjoy watching sports, and you already know that watching games with other fans just makes that experience better. Look, watching a Warriors game on your own is fine. It's crazy fun. I've done it for years. But watching a game in a spot that lets me scream and cheer and just generally lose my shit with other Dub Nation fans is way more fun. COVID stole that from us for a while, and the ACO is giving it back. The Athletic Club Oakland has shut down their entire side street, created an enormous outdoor space called the Town Gardens, and filled that space with tables, more than 15 huge and legitimate TVs, and their full complement of great food, service, and drinks. It's big. It's comfortable. It's a great spot to watch Steph continue to rain threes. During this incredible Warriors season, the NFL playoffs, or any other sport with fans while still staying safe. I love this bar. I love their food. I love their space. I love their TVs. I even love that it's basically family friendly. I can go here, get hammered with my friends and get too passionate, or I can roll with my wife and kid and just enjoy brunch while catching a game. The Athletic Club is now our go-to spot to watch all sports, especially the Warriors, and we hope you'll join us there. The Athletic Club Oakland, where sports fans can be sports fans again. We're going to bring y'all into our huddle. You are in the Warriors Huddle with me, Bram. No Marcus, at least for the front portion of today's podcast, but with me per usual, my master of all things sound, Maxime. How's it going? Maxime fired up to announce that rejoining us, in fact, the exact guy. We need right now the former Warriors beat writer for the Bay Area News Group, the current West Coast specialist for NBA.com, and a guy who has been nonstop fucking trolling me since the rumors of Golden State being interested in KD surfaced about a week ago. Mr. Mark Medina, what's going on, Mark? Ram, you pumped for the KD reunion? I think the signing is going to become official in a few days. This bastard, Maxime, just so you know. So, like... The report comes out, and, and it's via Bachelor Report, or, or uh, not Bachelor Report, uh, the BR, that the Warriors might be interested in KD. And so I panic. I mean, and you know, that's not a totally unexpected reaction. I panic at everything. And one of the people I reach out to is Mark, because he's well-informed. And what I'm hoping is I'm going to get like, oh, no, of course not. You know, there's no way this goes. 
And what I got was the, you know, the three dots. So I know he's, he's answering and it takes a little bit longer. So I start getting hell of nervous, like, oh, maybe there's a real story here. And I, I don't have the, the text in front of me, but it was something along the lines of, yeah, not only exploring it, but Steph might be a part of it. It's just these like really detailed fuck you texts. So oh, yeah. uh, Mark, yeah. I don't mind telling you, you cost me years of my life with that stuff. Dude. Oh, yeah. like, I, I don't, it's just not okay. Maxime, I, I actually have the text in front of me. <laughs> And I can show you some examples of different troll texts I've had, and you can like rank the douchiness of them. So here's here's the exact words from Bram about the whole KD stuff. He's like, hey, where are these warriors are interested in KD rumors coming from? Do you think there's anything real there? To Bram's point, there's a little bit of a delay. Now, I wasn't trolling him this with the delay. I was, you know, covering the California Classic, very important summer league basketball. So I was juggling in the middle of the things, but I wrote very, very real. Oh. And then I and then I wrote this. Then I wrote this. I'm sweating profusely, just so you know, as he said that. I'm reading this and I'm just sweating. I'm losing like pounds. <laughs> and then I wrote this. I said, Warriors are torn, but they might actually trade Steph to make it happen since KD is the one who won the finals MVPs. <laughs> okay. And to complete the story, so I get that across. And I mean, you guys know I'm not above this at all. I like to use other people's knowledge to make myself feel important. You know, so I get that from Mark and I'm getting ready to take that and like text it to other people like, oh, I'm hearing that there's some truth to this. And then I reread it again. You know, it's like, oh, he let and and I finally realized that maybe he was pushing me. But there's a 30 second, 45 second stretch there where just I'm I'm leaking years of my life because of the damn stress that Mark put me through. So nice, nicely played, Mark. I guess it was well deserved. Yeah, I was I was being a douchebag. <laughs> Here, here's another thing. Brandt was really concerned during the Warriors playoff run when Memphis forced a game six in Golden State. And he he wrote, he wrote to me, he's like, Hey, how you feeling? And it was like random in the afternoon. And it's like, oh man, Bram is losing it. So I'm like, hmm, it seems like you're on edge. And he's like, very. So I write, yeah. This gives me flashbacks of June 2016, to be honest. I mean, again, Whoa. totally unnecessary. Dude, I mean, and I I was panicking, Mark, with five seconds to go in game six of the finals when it was already over. So yeah, I wasn't I wasn't ready to have any of your shit during the Memphis series. Okay. And last troll text. He then ran <laughs> he then randomly texts me last week, just, you know, the day after first day of free agency. He's like, hey, who won free agency so far? And I wrote back, you know, pretty lame. Oh, it's hard to say because it's all fluid, but Celtics with the best move so far, getting Brogdon. And Bram's like, hey, 100% agree. Brogdon's, you know, adding him. They're two wins away from a title. They didn't really give up any rotational players. It's fairly scary. So, like, good, straightforward basketball analysis, right? And then I wrote, and then probably Portland is second for snatching GP2 away. Oh, so I forgot. I actually did come up with a segment title for this. It's entitled Mark Medina is an asshole. Um, so, <laughs> and it's going to be an ongoing segment. You know, I'm sure that these are not the only bullet points for it. Uh, it is what it is. Maxime, you read the KD stuff, a couple of follow-ups quick, and then we're going to jump into real free agency. D- did you panic at all when you read it? Did you think it was real in any way? How, how has it been hitting you? I, 
I kind of still think it's real. I mean, I, first of all, I think the only thing that was really a troll from Mark's text was that the Warriors would consider state training Steph because all indications are that's exactly the type of return that Brooklyn is looking for. So I don't even think that's that ridiculous, um, which which leads me to think that this is going to go on for a while, um, which means my panic levels are going to be elevated for a while. You know, I'm like checking my Twitter account in the middle of meetings, be, you know, in hopes that I don't miss something. Mm. Um, but I know it's a concern. And when you hear the reports from reliable sources that have a lot of experience with um, our core guys that they had the conversation, they would be open to the reunion. Those are the types of things that, yes, any real, any reasonable front office would say, we got to at least entertain this. And then on top of it, when the star players are saying, yeah, we'd entertain it too. You have to, you know, there's a little bit of smoke there. So yeah, I'm terrified. <laughs> Did you say that the only trolling of Mark's texts was the inclusion of Steph? Did you hear his one. reference to just the fucking one. game seven loss? That was brutal. That this was bringing me back to 2016. Cool. We're just talking completely about something else. Hard disagree on that was the only trolling aspect. <laughs> just absolutely hard disagree. Uh, last KD question, at least for now. No trolling, Mark. Who do you consider the current favorite? to land Katie. So, you know, not, not, this is where he's gone, but if you, if you had to put money down as of today, where do you think he lands? Okay. No trolling here. I think that I would win money in Vegas with this bet. There's no way. So don't worry that the Warriors would ever reunite with Kevin Durant. I don't think Kevin Durant wants to come back to the Warriors. There's a reason why he left the Warriors to begin with, because he felt like, Hey, I did all I could to accomplish. Nothing more uh, would leave me more fulfilled. I want to prove I can win elsewhere. Uh, but the second thing is, yeah, shout out to Marcus Thompson, his reportings uh, dead on as always. Now, yeah, the Warriors stars have talked to them. They talked about entertaining the idea, but I don't think it got anything beyond that. I think, you know, if it then was pursued seriously, we're talking nuts and bolts and who are we going to give up at some point, like there would be a bartender that would cut the other people off from drinking. So they don't pull something dumb while they're drunk. Right. So there's nothing happening. Um, it's cool to talk about, and maybe for their case, they're talking about kind of this full circle and some of this nostalgia of winning the title. But the reality is this guys, the Warriors won the title a month ago without Kevin Durant, even though short-term having Kevin Durant on your team is a good thing. The Warriors want to continue to win long-term post Steph era. And if you're trading away all your pieces, all of a sudden you don't have that foundation. So don't worry about that part. But number two, I don't know if I'll win money on this, but I think that it winds up being the Phoenix Suns. Look, I was talking to a, uh, an agent earlier this week, and he was saying that there are like 16 teams right now that have given offers to the Nets for Kevin Durant. So there's going to be a lot of teams because I then facetiously said, yeah, there's probably 13 other bidders to fulfill that every other team in the NBA wants Kevin Durant. Um, but the reality is not every team has the assets to pull this off because it's Kevin freaking Durant. Yep. And, um, you know, I don't think the Nets are going to listen to KD of, oh, we got to make sure that we're trading you to a team that you want. But if it works out that way, I think it's win-win. Um, and I think with the Suns, there is a practical way for, the, for this to work. Chris Paul's not going anywhere. Devin Booker's not going anywhere. I don't even think it would work because he just agreed to an extension. Yep. But they could do the sign-in trade with DeAndre. They could dangle a bunch of role players with Mikel Bridges and Cam Johnson and Jay Crowder and whoever else you want to throw in there. Uh, round of draft picks, even if the Nets don't want DeAndre, and you could, you could theoretically add a third team a la the Utah Jazz 
because Danny Ainge is, uh, you know, trying to relive his Celtics glory as a uh, very aggressive executive. Um, but look, flip a coin. I mean, anything can happen. And so not only is it an unknown of which team Kevin Durant's going to play for next season, it's an unknown of when this is all going to get settled. Like I tried talking to some people around the league and they, they don't know the answer of is Kyrie the first domino or KD? And is this something that's going to get settled during summer league when everyone's in Vegas at the same time? Or is this something that will bleed and carry into training camp? Like we don't know. That's, that's the crazy part about all those. I love the two scenes that you kind of inadvertently created there. So I'm going to start first with the Warriors one. So I like the idea of like Myers being out there and Joey checkbook and Mike D and everybody else in that, in that front office sitting down, grabbing drinks. And the, you know, a bartender would notice that it's the Warriors front office. That's incredible that they're in there and they start having drinks and the bartenders in, involved. And then he starts listening and 20, 15 minutes in, he starts hearing them talk about KD and the bartender comes over and is like, I'm not giving you shit else. Like you are cut off. No way this goes anywhere. And then the second scene, which you didn't paint, but I've already imagined. I love the idea of Kevin Durant going there and then having a camera in the room whenever it is that he finds out that Chris Paul is hurt yet again in the playoffs and he will not have him and they are screwed. But I digress, man, because we need you today. All right. It's a quick show. There's only two segments of it, but both of which are really important. And I meant what I said early on, you are the perfect person for it. So here's our first segment. It's a normal one, the glass half full, but there's a switch, right? So Glass half full, what we normally do, Mark, is look back at Warriors Hoop over the last few weeks and then give me something you like and something you don't like about what happened on the floor. But this is a little different, right? We are now on the other side of a really busy start to free agency, one that Warrior fans are kind of freaked out about. And um, the, the loss of some of these players, the lack of a giant signing has some members of Dub Nation freaking out. So, I want you to look back on the free agency period, do it through the Warriors uh, of the, or through the lens of the Warriors alone. Give me something you like about the Warriors offseason so far and something you don't. And Maxime, so you're thinking of it, you're up next with the same questions. What do you got, Mark? Okay, what I like, the Warriors retain Kavon Looney. Uh, this is the third time he became a free agent. There was a fear that, hey, maybe he goes elsewhere because the team is going to spend on him. Um, but the Warriors uh, were able to toe that line of, you know, rewarding him for his play, but without, you know, breaking the bank. And I think that they had built in equity because of their championship culture, because Kevon Looney's value is partly tied to what he does for the rest of the Warriors roster, as well as his allegiances that, yeah, hey, look, this is the team that drafted me and groomed me and developed me. Right. And I think that his importance is going to become even more next season because Kevon Looney is going to do the Kevon Looney things of rebounding and energy and putback yeah. and hustle plays. But uh, this shields the warriors from an insurance policy of the unknown of what James Wiseman's going to be. Yep. Um, you know, I don't think it's a good sign that he missed the Cali classic, uh, not a good sign that he is going to miss the summer league opener, but for what it's worth, the warriors say that he's going to play at some point in summer league, but given his injury history, you don't know what, he's going to look like next season. So I think nothing else that at least mitigates any concerns about the Warriors and how they look at the center spot. Uh, the half glass empty. Hey, I wasn't trolling uh, um, Bram that much about Gary Payton. The second, like those concerns are real. Look, he's a great player. Um, I think he does wonders for what the Warriors need defensively on the perimeter. 
Uh, they, you know, he can reduce the pressure off of Clay Thompson uh, and Andrew Wiggins as far as gaining the minutes. And he can also be the bridge for the young guys on the team as well. And the Warriors could have kept him. This really came down to a financial move where, you know, they had his bird rights. They would have been able to exceed the cap, but, you know, Portland gave a generous offer and the Warriors uh, weren't aggressive enough. And look, the Warriors can find their way out of this. I mean, they have, <laughs> they have Steph Curry and Clay and Draymond and Wiggins. Uh, they do have some good young talent, but I don't think this falls into that formula that the Warriors front office has painted of Joe Lacob's willing to spend the luxury taxes. If this is a move that can significantly help their championship fortunes. That's not to say the fortunes are doomed. They still have a chance, but yeah. I think Gary Payton the second is that good of a player that, you know, he would have been worth the, uh, the luxury tax penalties that uh, Joe Lacob would have had to, uh, you know, endure with keeping them. Look, we all hate that we lost GP2. It's the, it's the go-to thing. You make eye contact with any Warriors fan right now, and the first thing out of their mouth is no longer the championship glee. It's, damn it, you know, we lost GP2, and we lost Otto Porter Jr., and we lost Bielitsa. We lost all of these uh, role players who played major roles. As far as the GP2 thing, my perception, that's all it is. My perception is it had more to do with the third year of that contract than it did with the actual number, the annual salary, because in three years, the Warriors are, you know, they're going to have to be dealing with Draymond. They're going to be dealing with Clay's extent. There's a lot of other people whose financial implications, a third year hit. Um, And so that was my assumption on it. Uh, Maxime, where are you at? Start positive, something you liked about this off season. Yeah. I think you've said enough. I obviously agree about the um, sadness of GP2, but I think Dante DiVincenzo is maybe the best replacement that we could have gotten um, of what was theoretically available. Look, he's not as good of an on-ball defender as Gary Payton is. Gary Payton is possibly the best in the league, um, but at the same time, he's he's smart. He's a pretty he's a pretty he's a better shooter than Gary Payton. You know, he's not going to initiate an offense, but he's going to give us a lot of good stuff as well. And he's a solid sort of team defensive player. So I'm really excited about that pickup. And I think especially if the Warriors uh, front office is doing the kind of thinking that you're suggesting looking three years down the line, um, taking a flyer on a player like Dante DiVincenzo gives us a lot more flexibility, not just as some of our stars reach their next contracts, but some of our rookies do too. We're talking about opening up this roster so that we can get Kaminga, we can get Wiseman, we can get Moody, right? To um, We can get these young guys to come out and start to actually play legitimate minutes. If they show up the way we're hoping they show up in a couple of years, we're going to need to find more spots for them. Um, so it might have been a good thing to rip the bandaid off now uh, and start developing that process. Hate that you stole my take. Hate it. I should have gone first. That's what I always want to do. So it is what it is. Mental reminder, try to go first. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to hedge towards optimism and I'll give you two points. Let's start with the one that you just said. What I like about this offseason is the insinuation, the insinuation that the Warriors believe that Moody that Kaminga and that Clay are ready for much larger roles next year. Look, for people who are panicked about GP2 and the perimeter defense that he provides, here's a fucking newsflash. The Warriors are very aware of what that guy does and the giant gap that, that he leaves when he leaves here. And it's foolish to think that they're going to just take a risk without anybody stepping up. So allowing him to go, what I think this insinuates is that the Warriors believe that Kaminga and Moody are both ready and willing to take on a much bigger role, that they're going to be able to fill some of that, and that Clay's recovery is going to continue. 
if they didn't think that those things were going to happen, I think this would be a much bigger deal and a much larger loss, right? Which bleeds into the second thing. The other thing I like about this offseason, and it's a general point, but I'm going to make it nonetheless, is that we can trust these guys. So speaking as somebody who watched this team for decades when you couldn't, right? They made an offseason move. Didn't matter what it was. Under Cohen, you knew it was the wrong thing. If they let somebody go, that guy was going to fucking explode. If they brought somebody in, it was an overrated contract. You know, if they counted on health, the guy would get hurt. If they counted on a giant jump, they never did it. The exact opposite is true for this Warriors team. You know, in eight years, they've gone to six finals. Of those six finals, they've won four titles. During that, they made a bunch of good calls. Think back just a year. I spit into this microphone. Get Avery Bradley, not GP2. We gave them constant shit about trying to split the difference between going out to the future and having the present. Well, guess what? We were wrong. They were right. So what do I like about this offseason? That they have established the kind of track record where even if we're concerned, and we are, that there's a billion reasons, far more reasons to trust what they are doing than there is to question it. You know, so that's where I'll go. It's something I didn't like. This is a super random one, and it's just me being bitter. I don't like that Nemanja Bielitsa decided to leave the league instead of resign with the fucking Warriors. Like, it's it's fine. Like, GP2 is on Portland, and, like, I understand, you know, they lose Otto Porter Jr. to another team. Bielitsa decided to go to Turkey as opposed to staying here. I'm sure it was still a money thing, but just a weird call. I mean, didn't there was, like, a there's footage of after the championship, Nemanja taking a picture with Steph and a few other people, and it made it seem like he was literally kissing Steph on the forehead. Like he understood what Steph had done for him, that his secondary thought was like, I love Steph. Also, I'm going back to Turkey. I don't get it, dude. It doesn't make any sense. So that's the thing that kind of bothered me. Yeah, that Bell Bell Lisa departure is really going to hurt their title chances. <laughs> I just didn't I mean, like the idea, Marky. Were the Warriors really clamoring to try to keep him? Am I missing something? He was key. No, he was key to everything. That's <laughs> what you. Uh, that's what you don't know. Give so we'll dig into this a little bit more in the golden questions. But let me oversimplify it, boys. Looking at so as of right now, what is it? July seventh. What do you grade the Warriors offseason so far? I'll go first if you want. It's a cop-out. Incomplete. Yeah, yeah go you know? for it. We want you to go first so we don't steal your thunder. Yeah, yeah. Well, why do you think I, I gave you a couple of seconds there? I've been jumping right in. So if the, you know, if Kaminga suddenly is capable of a good 28 minutes a night and is the kind of perimeter defender that his athleticism suggests he can be, and if Moody is ready to contribute, and if Clay has come back, those things I was just talking about, the upsides, if those are correct, then this decision – of making sure they had the minutes to grow into that role is a phenomenal one. You know, we move down the line here and we're watching John Morant go unfettered into the lane constantly because we no longer have GP2. You know, if, if the perimeter defense has really been hurt, then it's a different analysis. So it's hard to know right now. The idea that people are already shithousing it, I think, is ridiculous. So it's a cop-out answer, but I'll give it to you. I give them an incomplete, and I think we need... I don't know, you know, January, we need a couple of months before we can really adequately give them a grade. Yeah, I'm with you. It's incomplete. Um, you know, barring the GP2 departure, I think everything else has been fine. And, you know, I totally understand there's other, uh, there's another side of the coin with the GP2 departure that it can very well work out. But the reality is the Warriors are going to have an incomplete grade in the offseason by design. You know why? Because they just won the NBA championship a yes. month ago. And so they're not going to have tools to make big draft picks 
because they have the 28 and the 55th, right? And uh, they're not going to have many tools in free agency because they already have a pretty stacked roster. So uh, the only way that, you know, it could really go south is if for some reason they don't agree to an extensions with Andrew Wiggins and Jordan Poole to to enter the season. But all things uh, point to that they're going to do that at some point. Now, is it imminent? Probably not. Bob Myers had said before free agency started that just because of the order of things, the free agency stuff would be addressed first, where the extension stuff will probably be tabled off till later in the summer. But assuming that happens, and I have no other reason not to think that it would, um, they're fine. I mean, they're they're the defending title. They got Steph, Clay, Draymond, Wiggins, Poole. I mean, they got everyone. So uh, they're not going to be making splashes in the offseason, they're going to be making splashes during the NBA Finals. Maxime, is it weird that I'm expecting a text from Mark after we finish today telling me that Wiggins is actually leaving the NBA and going to Turkey for a season? You know, and then even though I know it's coming, I'm going to take it hell of hard and panically text you. I mean, we'll, we'll see how it ultimately goes. Uh, Maxime, what's your grade? Well, I... I mean, uh, this is like the easiest answer ever. You guys are just giving incompletes. I will say I will take it a step further because I completely agree um, with what Mark just said, obviously. Um, at, at in, in school, in college, right, we were able to, if we knew we didn't need a class like to graduate for our major, but we needed it to graduate to get the credits or whatever, we could decide at the beginning of the semester before like our first test or whatever to change from a grade to a pass, no pass. And I think this is exactly it, right? They get a pass. They don't need to do anything. So they, they've like hit the major points, right? Signing Looney was a big one. Everything else we can sort of wait on. We don't even technically need to extend pool right now at all. So I think you give them a pass. Um, but at the same time, Bram, I'm surprised that I don't know. Incomplete doesn't sound very Santa Cruz. I feel like I was expecting you to give them like a dolphin or um... you steal my Santa Cruz jokes, <laughs> you motherfucker. Yeah. So I Mark, to uh, to expand on that and then to actually give you my own uh, Santa Cruz story. Uh, when I went to Santa Cruz, they were still doing what they called written narratives. So they wouldn't actually give you like an A, B, C, D or F. They would give you a paragraph that went that made zero sense. And literally, <laughs> when I applied to law school, most of the law schools sent my transcript back saying, what the fuck is this? Like, what's your GPA, dude? We have no idea what's going on. But uh, the more specific story, and then we'll get back to the lawyers. I was in a socialism class in Santa Cruz. And I would imagine to kind of teach us responsibility and uh, humility, the guy allowed us to write our own grades at the end of it, our own narrative eval. He said, you know, just be honest, but, you know, put it out. And so people were, they, they, they took the assignment very seriously and they were humble and they didn't, uh, they didn't overshoot their grade. My thing read something like, this is the greatest student anyone's ever seen. Like he reads and writes better than anyone's ever. He understands socialism better. I didn't understand a fucking thing out of that. And it definitely taught me to not be humble in any ways, but let's get back to the Warriors boys. So here's my second segment. It's our golden questions. These are all given to us by listeners. It's our version of a mailbag and they all pick up right where we just left off. It's all free agency stuff. So here's the first one. Do you boys expect any other signings by the Warriors before the season begins? And then they give us a list of a few people that they would like us to consider as to you know whether or not they'd be a good fit. So just take the general question first, Mark, and then we'll get into some of these specific names but do you think that before the season tips in october the warriors will make any other signings um well they have some veteran minimum deals but yeah i don't think anything notable 
Um, the only thing that I think that the Warriors will try to do is convince Andre Iguodala not to retire because they still, huh. even though he's not been playing a lot, uh, I think they still want him on the sideline to be the de facto assistant coach and help nurture, you know, the young guys getting even more playing time. But my prediction is I think Andre is going to call it a career. Uh, he hasn't told anyone yet, but I think that uh, given his injuries and just the fact that he has already been kind of preparing for post-retirement with all his business ventures, you know, in the tech world that he's ready to jump into that. But, you know, I, other than that, I can't really think of, you know, the Warriors are really pursuing any other major avenues, frankly, because they don't really have many options to do so. I love that you phrase that he's not been playing that much with uh, Iguodala. So look, Iguodala is a legend. He deserves a statue. He's one of the reasons why the Warriors have the four titles, and I couldn't appreciate him enough. Also, this pen I'm holding played about as many minutes during the regular season as Andre did last year. So yes, dude, he didn't play a super amount. Um, so the names that this listener suggests kind of fits into what you were just saying. There's no big names, nobody who everyone's clamoring over, and they're all kind of older guys who might be available at the end of this. What I'm assuming is going to happen is the Warriors let the dust settle. You know, they let people spend money. They see who's still available after the other contracts have been handed out. And then they cherry pick the veterans who might still be out there. And these names all fit that kind of conception. They should probably also be out there. So I'm going to give you the name. You boys tell me if you think it's a good fit or a bad fit. Here's our first, DeMarcus Cousins. I don't think it's a particularly good fit. Look, I think he, he you know, he had a run with us uh, when he was younger. I can't imagine that he's going to be playing much better. I, I He didn't give us a ton of valuable minutes in the end. And I think really at the five spot, we need to be giving as much time um, as we can to Wiseman. I understand that we're going to need to fill a little bit of minutes, but Looney is such a solid player that I would prefer that we go small in these other moments uh, because that's the type of ball that we go to in the offseason. We know, I'm sorry, in the postseason. We know that Kerr likes to mess around with his rotations during the regular season, try different things out. So if we're going to go small, Especially, you know, as like, for example, the new Twin Towers in Minnesota, right, going big, we want to be able to have confidence in those smaller lineups. I would rather see us be forced to go into small ball lineups as opposed to being able to play another five. Before you answer, Mark, a random piece of information. So... Wiseman apparently played in somewhat of a scrimmage um, over the last couple of days. Some footage has come out, literally like 10 seconds of him hitting a three. I've watched it like a billion times. He looked yeah. healthy on the three, but that's about it. And then uh, Marcus Thompson, who we name dropped a little bit earlier, also said that the portion that he watched, Wiseman looked good. He looked gassed. He didn't have his wind, but he looked healthy out there. So with that in mind, not a lot of information, but, you know, some. DeMarcus Cousins, good idea, bad idea? What do you think? Yeah, uh, after pondering, I don't think it's a good idea. I don't think that this is necessarily a negative reflection on DeMarcus. I think that when he was playing with Denver last season, he was showing that he still has got it in him. But by design, the Warriors are trying to get as much playing time as they can for Wiseman. And while it might be nice to have an insurance policy because of the unknown of his health, that's what Kavon Looney is here yeah. for. And so in DeMarcus's case, he's trying to continue to resuscitate his career and prolong mm -hmm. his longevity. Yeah. He hasn't been the same uh, player in terms of, you know, his durability and his ability to stay on one team ever since that Achilles injury. And so I wouldn't fault DeMarcus for, you know, wanting to prioritize, hey, I want to play as much as I can. Now, sure. to his credit, he has understood the terms and the rules of the game recently. 
you know, when he was with the Clippers, when he was with the Nuggets of, hey, he's coming off the bench. But I think that also came with an understanding that he would get playing time. We're here. I don't think he necessarily would be. So I don't think it would be good for either party. The only way I think this would be good is if, heaven forbid, you know, there's something bad that happens with James and they, you know, they need some more reinforcements later on the season. But that's something that they would have to cross that bridge later on during the buyout market and things like that. But right now, um, you know, they, they should uh, stay away from that possibility. Everything you're saying speaks to me, even when DeMarcus was kind of torching us a little bit in that first round series matchup, you know, because he, he had some success against the Warriors. It always came with the rest of the Denver starters off the floor. You know, Jokic wasn't out there. And it was kind of the thing of like, well, he can score when it's just him, but that's not what the Warriors are looking for in any way. We don't need a back to the basket guy. We don't need somebody who needs that kind of usage. Uh, let me give you another name, and I bet you it's a really fast one because, at least in my opinion, it fits every category you guys just told me about why DeMarcus wouldn't fit. Same reasons for this guy, but tell me if you agree. Hassan Whiteside. No. On top of it all, the, as a culture fit, yeah, he strikes me as the type of person that is looking to get his numbers, and that's exactly what we do not need. Yeah, it's the same thing as DeMarcus, right? I mean, all very, very similar analysis to what we just broke down. Yeah, I would say he's he's worse than DeMarcus because to, to Marcus's credit, he has accepted a reduced role. Yeah. He has the equity with the Warriors. I think that, uh, you know, DeMarcus has shown that he can be that modern-day big. With his Hassan Whiteside, I mean, he has a lot of, you know, attitude problems, and he doesn't fit the Warriors' <laughs> culture. Um, so he would be clamoring here to get his numbers, get his playing time, and if either of those things didn't happen – he would throw a fit. And it's like, well, it's the Golden State Warriors, like, suck it up. <laughs> I, the, that makes total sense. And I mean, you know, I don't know. I've never talked to any of these guys, but my perception is like DeMarcus gets it now. He gets it. He's hurt. He gets it. He's damaged goods. He gets why the opportunity isn't there and he'd like to flip it over. My perception on Hassan Whiteside is he thinks we don't get it. He's like, you know, I am a fucking 2020 guy. You know, like, I don't, I don't understand why nobody gets this, but when I'm out there, I will show you. And it's that kind of hubris. We probably don't need, uh, I'm going to skip a name. I'm going to give you a guy who I'm really excited by. So part of this trade, Maxime uh, just mentioned it. You know, we watched Gobert go to Minnesota and then every pick, all the picks, any pick that you could possibly have went back to Utah, but it wasn't just picks. Players went there too. And one of the guys who went to Utah was Patrick Beverly. I can't imagine a more toxic combination than the Utah fan base and Patrick Beverly. Um, I, I just don't see that bucking going well. And my assumption is that in the not so distant future, Pat Bev is going to be bought out. And then hopefully we've got a scenario where Pat Bev is free to sign wherever the hell he wants, has not won a title yet, probably wouldn't mind, you know, tagging on to a contending team. And so in this, I love the idea of Pat Bev joining the Warriors, you know, and I think he may not have the athleticism that GP2 has. He's not going to be a rim runner, or rim runner, right? He's not, he's not the dunker um, or necessarily as quick as GP2 was, but he is a hell of a perimeter defender and an irritant. I love the idea of watching Pat Bev foul the shit out of John Morant six times during the regular season. That, that really speaks to me. So two questions. One, am I right that Pat Bev is most likely going to be bought out? And two, do you think there's a chance that he could join Golden State? It very well might be possible, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Utah Jazz first entertain using him as part of future deals. Uh, um, so I think that's the most likely uh, scenario. But in the event that, hey, he's bought out, 
Yeah, the Warriors, that would be a great fit. I mean, Patrick Beverly uh, is all about defensive intensity. That's the underrated part about what makes the Warriors' identity so great. Um, he doesn't need shots, and nor should he worry about that. And I think, you know, having a window into how he was with the Clippers, he's really good locker room guy. Like, he's all about, you know, enhancing the culture in terms of, hey, bringing that intensity. But he also brings a lot of positive reinforcement and constructive criticism to all his teammates. And so I think that, you know, while the Warriors stars won't need that, I think that he could be someone who's very instrumental for the young guys. And also uh, just his energy, I think, can inject um, a lot of fuel for, you know, the grind of the 82-game season where it's good for the Warriors all-stars to get some time off or the Warriors young guys just aren't ready yet. So I think he he can check all those different boxes. Maxine, what do you think? Thumbs up on Pat Bev is a possibility. Man, Mark, just so what I was thinking in my head, Mark, that was very helpful because I, you make a really good point. And I sort of know when I um, step away from the actual game that Patrick Beverly actually is quite a good locker room presence. I was thinking about like the least, uh, like my top three least interesting people to have on my squad, right? Like James Harden, Chris Paul, I don't even think Kyrie Irving counts because I, my understanding is that he plays in a flat earth dimension and I, I can't conceive of him being on our team, but then it would have been Patrick Beverly. But I think the difference here is like those guys, Chris Paul is a very intense presence, right? He makes guys around him better. It seems, but through a, a style of leadership that is, I think antithetical to the way that uh, warriors have put together a style of leadership that is very sort of a kumbaya, right? James Harden would rather be at the strip club and like, however good he is on the court. I don't think he fits our culture at all, but Patrick Beverly is sort of in the Draymond green camp of like, you definitely don't want to play against him, but if he's on your team, he's going to make you better in a way that actually I think is a cultural fit for us. So I'm interested. I spent most of that resentful that you complimented Mark's take and you haven't given me any compliments yet, which is weird. I mean, I've, cause I've given a lot of takes and I thought for sure that you'd compliment some of them. So I'll, I'll have to re-listen to that to get a sense of whether or not I agree with it. Uh, I guess we'll find out for Pat Bev, but here's our second question, man. And it's honestly the one I've been looking forward to the most. So the question is quote, when the Warriors take the floor to start the 2022 season, do you think the roster will be better or worse than the one that took the floor in game six at Boston? But I don't want to uh, just yes or no. I want to do this in kind of a different matrix, a different way to analyze it. So I've put together a list of names, all names who were on the team last year and who are going to continue to be on the team next year. I'm going to give you boys the name and I want you to tell me next year, do you think that player will be better, worse, or essentially the same as they take the floor next year, right? So here's our first. Steph, what do you think? Better, worse, or the same? I think the same. I mean, that's a positive because Steph Curry uh, was really freaking good this past season. But I think uh, you have to keep in mind that uh, with them coming off the championship year, I think that, you know, Steve Kerr, if Warrior fans are frustrated with sometimes pulling the plug on Steph, I think he's going to do that more this season because they're coming off the championship run, as well as the fact that, hey, this is more time for the young guys to play. I think the other thing is, and this isn't a knock on Steph, it's just the reality of the circumstances. Some of Steph's really strong play last year and this season was a product of him really ramping up both, uh, you know, during the bubble, like, you know, when they weren't part of the bubble during the offseason. And then last summer when, you know, they were removed from not even making the playoffs. So 
Steph's going to be great, but um, I think that as much as he's going to still be active in the offseason, I think there's going to be kind of a conservative approach as well. But the reality is in the playoffs, he's going to be the same player, if not better. So I guess you could say better, but for the totality in the regular season, no, it's a great um, distinction. It's a great be, distinction. It'll be mostly the same. And it, it honestly, it changes the question, right? Um, the Warriors are interested in going back to back. What success they have during the regular season, who gives a shit about? I think they're going to take a step back in the regular season. I think they just learn they don't have to, to focus on it. So let's change it a little bit. As I give you these players, when we say better, worse, or the same, are they better suited to contribute to a championship run, not to a regular season standing, right? Um, I agree with you on Steph and him staying the same as last year is you know exactly what we want to hear. I don't know if he could have a larger impact on a championship run. Maxime, clean sweep? Yeah, yeah. But uh, the only reason that there's a chance that he actually might be better come playoff time is precisely what we were just talking about. If he's going to get more rest during the regular season, you know, he turns more into a 16-game player and we actually could see a supernova come playoff time. Yep. All right. Uh, Clay Thompson, better, worse, or the same next year? Oh, better. Um, you know, I think this is a product of he came in the middle of the season after his, uh, you know, overlapping injuries with his ACL and his Achilles. And I think that he showed flashes of clay, most notably in the game sixes. But, you know, in between those shooting outbursts were a lot of, you know, many slumps. And then defensively, I think that he showed improvement in the finals. But leading up to that, he wasn't the same defender as he was before. But, you know, this is not even just something that I saw this season, but this was predicted from both the Warriors and outside medical doctors that I talked to that they thought that the following season is when you would see right. the more familiar Clay Thompson. So that's all in line of what we're going to see. He's going to be even better than ever. Yeah, exactly right. He's coming off of two catastrophic injuries. He was able to contribute when he first came back. Of course, more time is going to help him. That brings me to the next guy, Jordan Poole. Um, I don't think there's any question that he's better. He's had an opportunity to see what a championship run looks like. He's gotten real expectations and delivered on them. And he's a young player whose skill set is still coming together. So I, I don't think that there's any even room for argument. Maxime, do you agree? I do agree. I think, you know, there's there's the potential for what the concept of a sophomore slump actually would be, right? And I'm by that, I mean the sophomore slump in the context of right record albums, right? You, you, you have your big hit, and then the next record you come out, it was just such a big deal that you couldn't quite capture the energy in the second one. And by that, I mean, you know, like Jordan Poole's first two seasons would be like demos and EPs, right? Not really the real album. Like last year was the real album. And so there's the potential for this one to be a little bit of a fallback because now he's actually hit the trajectory towards maybe even an all-star someday, right? It's very, very exciting. But I also see him as a type of person that puts in the work that has the right people around him to continue to help him to find success. And I think he's going to be able to persevere through whatever sophomore slump might be coming for somebody of normally of his caliber. You know what the biggest motivator for success is? Fucking failure, man. You fail and now you are remarkably motivated to not fail in that same way again. As great as mm -hmm. pool season was, one of the defining things during that finals was his failure on the defensive end. You know, he, he was an offensive genius, but we could only play him 14, 16 minutes a night because the Celtics put his ass in the blender every time he was out there. So I think that that's the kind of impetus that will make him better. That failure is going to help him address that level of his game. Uh, are we being hyperbolic here, Mark? Or a clean sweep. Do you think uh, JP will be better as well? No, I think the end result is he's going to be better, but I think there's going to be like the sausage making process that some of it looks nice. Some of it doesn't. So hear me out. I think that 
uh, he's going to inevitably improve because he's a young player. He's building off that development. I think that unlike some other NBA players after they get a contract, I think that he's going to feel even more empowered and motivated because he presumably will agree to that extension because it's like, hey, these guys trust me. Now all I can do is ball and show that I'm worthy of this. But I think that what you're going to see is that there's going to be some growing pains with more teams paying attention to him. Sure. You know, those double teams, the increased scouting reports. And you saw that at certain point parts during the playoffs. The second part, this might sound weird because he's a young guy, but I think that there's going to be some growing pains about handling an increased workload. You know, this applies even to young guys as well. But I think the end result is he's going to grow through those growing pains as the season progresses. He'll figure it out, turn a corner. The end result will be a much better Jordan Poole all of next season. So Steph better, Clay better, JP better. That goes to Andrew Wiggins. I think this one, and I'm a homer, so stop me if I'm being ridiculous here, but I think this one's just as straightforward. Wiggins just saw what the result of finally engaging his full level of athletic talent can bring. You know, he he used rebounding and defense and effort to not only change the Warriors' title hopes, but to change the conception of him as a player. You know, he's, he's literally taken the reputation and put it on his head. That kind of success, the confidence that comes from something like that can only carry over. And I'm expecting him to be an even better contributor next year to a title run. I certainly don't see a world where he steps back, you know, so am I being ridiculous on that? Or do you agree? Is, is Wiggins probably going to be an even bigger help next year? Um, I think he's going to take a relative step back. Uh, here's why. I think that he has the luxury of doing that because he's on the Warriors. I think that one of his calling cards was him playing really well defensively. But part of that was because Clay Thompson wasn't the same player, but Clay is going to be able to take care of that. And then I, I look at his, uh, you know, numbers after he made the all-star team this past season, they dipped. And I wouldn't be surprised that that dips, you know, after this contract, right? Like he is a guy that after something positive happens, maybe he goes back to his natural tendencies, but I think he's still going to be, a valuable player. I don't think he's going to turn into the Andrew Wiggins of the Minnesota Timberwolves. He's still going to be a good supporting player, but I don't think it's going to be the same level of intensity that we saw during the playoffs. But I think once the playoffs happen, then we'll see that Andrew Wiggins again. Yeah, there you go. So at least as far as when they make the playoffs, his effort will be the same, if not better. Yeah, hundred percent. Leaves Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody. So, I mean, I don't, I don't, we can argue if you like, but I think both of them are poised. I mean, they they didn't make a giant step towards the championship contention last year. They got some minutes, but, you know, kind of dovetailing what we were talking about earlier. Hopefully these guys both take steps forward and there's no reason to believe those steps are going to put the Warriors in a worse position, right? I mean, we can be optimistic thinking that both JK and Moody will have improved next year. Yeah. Yes. So there's no debate on that. So the only player, I mean, having looked at the roster, obviously I I went through some of this stuff before. The only player who I'm a little bit worried about your response is Draymond Green. So let me put it right towards you, Mark. Having watched, and you you know how we feel about Draymond, this thing wouldn't have happened without him. Going into next year, better, worse, or the same as far as Draymond's impact on a championship? I think it's going to be the same. I think that he is going to carry kind of that FU energy that he's had 
since the NBA championship and on his podcast into the season that in a way, the fact that they won this title makes him more motivated to prove that they can do it again. But you know, the older that Draymond gets, I do wonder about just his overall health and durability. So, you know, I'm just keeping my eyes and open for that, that, uh, you never obviously wish injuries on anyone, but it's just a reality that the further he gets in his career, that might be a challenge that he, that he has to deal with. But um, I think that what he showed this season is that he can bounce back from an injury eventually and be the best Raymond Green when it counts. And so I don't think that there's going to be any step back from complacency. He is going to be riding this FU tour all of next season. I love it. I love the term FU tour. Um, and so let me bring this back to where we started. All right. Here is the question. The Warriors take the floor to start 2022. Do you think the roster will be better or worse than the one that took the floor in game six? And, you know, we've now shifted a little bit. Will they be uh, in a better position or a worse position to win a title? So before you answer it, here's what we've just discerned. Steph will be about the same world beating level he was at. Clay, better. JP, better. Wiggins, better or the same. JK and Moody, better. Draymond, probably the same. All right. So those are the core members of this team. Every all warrior fans have been focusing on the fringes. We're angry about GP two. We're upset about OPJ. Um, I'm bitchy about, you know, Nemanja Bialica, but if all of those guys are going to be better and then considering they, they lost Mike Brown, they lost those role players, Mark, which team do you think is better suited to go after a title last year's roster or this year's? Yeah, this year's roster, even when you factor in the GP loss, uh, everyone else is going to be pretty much better. And you know what? This is in line with what Steve Kerr said after the season ended, where, you know, someone asked him about, you know, the challenge of trying to repeat. And he was making uh, the, the notion that he thinks the second year in his experience, both as a player, as a coach, the next year's team is better because yep. they ride that momentum, that confidence, the idea of dealing with the championship hangover complacency, burnout, injuries, that applies after the first repeat season. So uh, you never know, obviously, as far as injuries go, but I think that you're going to see not the 2015-16 Warriors of, hey, winning 73 games, whatever, but that same mindset that they had of opening the season where they're just hitting the ground running. But here is, I think, the complicating variable. I think the landscape in the NBA itself is going to be better next season because on paper, and I do have to stress on paper, the Clippers have the better team because Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are going to be healthier and they have tons and tons of depth. But as we've seen with the Clippers the last few years on paper, doesn't mean anything. I think that they have a great coach in Ty Lue, but you just never know with the chemistry as well as their overall durability. And that applies to all these other teams. We don't know what the rest of these rosters are going to be partly because of the uncertainty with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, but there is a recipe for at least some teams to get better, the Clippers, the Boston Celtics, and then you just see whichever team that Kevin Durant winds up being on. All those teams are inevitably going to be better, as well as I think the Milwaukee Bucks because they have a really good core and they have Giannis and they're going to try to rectify their shortcomings. So I don't know how exactly that formula fits in of, the Warriors being better, but how does that fit in with the rest of the landscape? But you know what? The Warriors still have, obviously, a really good shot at defending their title, and uh, there's no reason why anyone should feel pessimistic 
about those title chances. I mean, what you're underlining is big picture approach. So that second question, where do they now fit within the overall landscape of the league? We'll save it. You know, we got a lot of months. Um, There's going to be some more free agency signings. We'll see how summer league plays out. I'm sure that we're going to talk to you again before October. And then I'll ask it, who do you think the current title favorite is? But the idea of just looking back at the free agency period for the Warriors, what I'm hearing you say, and what I think all of us have said is take a big picture approach. You know, the, I, we are all disappointed that we lost GP2. Absolutely. And if you'd like, you know, would I have preferred that they brought everybody back? Absolutely. But when considering this, also look at the improvements of everybody that we just identified. Also look at the trust that this front office, I think, has earned. And I, I, I don't think it's hyperbolic to say, in fact, we've already said it, that the Warriors might be in a better position, at least talent-wise, to, to win a title this year than they were last year. Uh, Maxime, finish it out here. What do you think, man? Do you agree with that? Yeah, I do. I mean, it's hard. You've, you've constructed quite the case here. I uh, I just sort of, you know, in the aftermath of all of this, not just to repeat everybody's takes, I also, it's it's just incredible to me that we didn't bring up Looney um, in that he is literally the epitome of he will probably be exactly the same. He will probably play every single game and just be reliable as hell. And and that's just so, so important. Um, just want to give that dude yet another shout out. And I think it's, you know, it's all the more reason to say we have the stability pieces. We have the like transcendent pieces and we have the up and coming pieces to kind of round out a really nice team. That is exactly right. Mark, with the exception of your terrible texts and the trolling that you've just been destroying me on, I love spending time with you and we love having you on here. And I'm sure that I'm not the only one for those who need far more Mark Medina in their life. Where do they go? Well, I work at NBA.com. So go there. Uh, Twitter handle Mark G underscore Medina, Instagram Medina Syracuse. Uh, Do some TV work with NBA TV, Fox Sports, Spectrum Sportsnet. Also do a lot of radio work with Fox Sports Radio. And of course, always love joining you guys on the podcast with Warriors Huddle. So if you continue to listen to these guys, I'm sure you'll hear my voice and takes uh, later on this season. Exactly right. You want to reach out to us, let us know we did a good job, bad job, any job. Get us a question. Shoot us an email. The address for that is huddle at warriorshuddle.com. And our social media account is only on Twitter. Uh, That is at Aren't you guys surprised I didn't bring up Damian Lee? Then you can drop any <laughs> takes there if you like. With that in mind, go Warriors. We'll probably take next week off, but we have a very exciting episode that we're putting together that's going to uh, come out soon enough that I'll just tease for now. With that in mind, go Warriors. Good, good. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.